Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm less than 24 hours away from No Time to Die. At the time of this recording, all I have to do at this point is get through talking about this stupid, stupid movie. <laughs> I mean, I'm Alex. Oh, I always knew we'd hold you back somehow, buddy. I'm Britain. <laughs> and <laughs> here here I am. Um, and I, I, am, I, I will go ahead and say this to the audience and to my friends. I will do my best to not uh, do my normal Britain thing, which is over-moralize when talking about movies or anything. Um, it's going to be hard, but I'll try. Candy. Um, oh, lawn my, ornaments. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, Christmas I, tree ornaments. What did I? Ha- oh, I had a thought the other day that was Disney from from an environmental perspective. Disneyland is a war crime. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I think I think we found the description for this podcast episode. Uh, we're, doing, we're making great progress. We're we're like not even two minutes in. I was gonna say I want you to get into that, but at the same time, maybe that's a bad idea. <laughs> I like the Marvel movies. You know, they come on. Walt and me are okay. Uh. <laughs> He's not doing it anymore, so it's... It would probably be a more interesting discussion than what we're about to discuss, which is uh, Halloween 2007 by Rob Zombie. Yep, by Bob Zombie. By Bob Zombadil. Bob Anyways, Undead. I was going to do that joke later in the show! <laughs> I was going to build up and get crazier and crazier and then say his name was like... Z- Bob Zombadil or something. Man! Alright, well, now I'm not gonna have any fun today. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm glad we're on the same comedy wavelength as friends, but also, dang it. Britain, uh, I, I think I think it speaks a lot to both of our uh, viewpoints on comedy that you would want it to be like this eloquent buildup that, that just yeah. escalates, and I just cut to the punchline. <laughs> I, think, I think this is actually a very good lead-in, because I'm doing a more John Carpenter style, where I'm like, no, the comedy is in the is in the tension and then doing Bob Zombadil is the the is the climax it resolves the tension and you're doing a Rob Zombie thing which is look at the punchline look look also, look also please Zom Rombadil um <laughs> Alex would you like to say this course well Britain you've got the entire episode to try and fix the joke and and make it your own again yeah i got a backup name it's okay Perfect. Halloween 2007, directed by Rob Zombie. It has a 28% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 59% audience score. Uh, It's higher than Resurrection, but it shouldn't be. Tyler, what is your best thing and your worst thing about the worst movie we've done for this podcast? Am I exaggerating? I don't even know at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Um... (laughs) It's definitely it it it's not a easy uh dismissal of yeah. it's not a take I can easily say nah <laughs> there are plenty of worse movies we've done um my worst thing about Halloween 2007 uh it's probably like the movie yeah um no, it. So I think legitimately my worst thing is the first thirty minutes, maybe even more than that. This movie sure. feels way longer than like 
an hour 45 hour 50 it is longer than most of the other halloween films yeah. but it still feels it, it doesn't long, feel it feels like longer ten, than itself it doesn't feel like 10 minutes longer than <laughs> most of those it feels like 45 minutes longer than <laughs> the most um uh we did watch the theatrical cut um apparently that like at one point was not available and only the director's cut was really available anywhere. But like going through Amazon now, it actually set, has the runtime for the director's cut. But if you buy it or if you rent it, it'll give you the, um, the actual cut. Don't know yeah. how that works, but um, apparently the director's cut is something that I think we could definitively say might be the worst movie we would have done for the podcast. If we had reviewed that, we're not touching that with a 10 foot pole. Apparently it's, it's quite the, Awful and not in ways that are just like, wow, that's a bad movie. Awful. And yeah. like, just just real quick, if anyone is curious as to what the differences are, mostly it's just like small bits of dialogue and the scene where Michael escapes the insane asylum apparently hinges on a sexual assault that happens against another inmate instead of him just like killing a bunch of guards, yeah. which is what happens in the theatrical cut. Um, and I just based on the, the fan discourse I've seen online, most people actually prefer the 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 theatrical cut which is a little weird in in film fan circles yeah 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 which i think speaks to just how trash this is <laughs> yeah. yeah um but yeah my worst thing is the first is the opening of the movie which is a it's a rehash of the the 30 second scene uh from the first one where we get to see uh a young Michael in a clown mask murder his sister um, and then get put in an asylum for it. Um, the This movie spends just a completely gratuitous amount of time showing us how this child's life is, is super mega terrible and uh, his family's awful to him and they're all bums and deadbeats and... Uh, they all have this. We'll talk about the dialogue in this movie because I've never seen a Rob Zombie movie before this point, um, and I would like to get into it. I don't know how representative this is. This is of his style. I get the feeling it's fairly representative of his style, uh, and I do not like it. So we'll talk about it. But um, the movie continually, like, or not continue, but like for a huge chunk of the opening, just spends time watching this kid going around. Um, being like just mercilessly not not picked on, but like harassed by yeah. everyone around him. Um, we come to learn that he murders small animals, uh, and and takes pleasure in that. And eventually, uh, he does get to the point where he kills his sister, but also kills uh her boyfriend and his dad in. Or his his mom's boyfriend. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, and uh, in horrible ways. Uh, and it's it's just so. Like I feel genuinely bad for the child actor who had to yes. act that out because it's not. Like it's the difference between something like that versus hereditary. Right, where you know, like, if you think of hereditary, the child actress in that who has to, you know, be have a give a pretty horrifying performance, and, yeah, 
um, really like do some dark things. Um, but that is not a, that is a movie where I feel like there is some sort of like moral or even realistic center grounding it somewhere. <laughs> like yeah. it's a movie that I feel like I have some basis for, mm-hmm. um, the, so that I'm not watching this and being like, wow, all of this is, is just awful to process. Um, yeah. this is like every single thing that happens. is it's just something awful happening surrounding this child. Um, just in the grossest possible way. Um, <clears throat> and like, I'm not, I don't even know how much I want to get into the implications of being like, Oh, the only way somebody could kill other people is like, their, their home environment is terrible. Like that, like there's, there's a lot of just like, it's sort of like the Batman thing where a lot of Batman stories are not very respectful of mental illness. Right. And involve Batman beating up on, on dudes who are just kind of like assumed to be, yeah, it's fine. They're, they're just, yeah, evil they're crazy. crazy. What, yeah. What, what do they matter? But like with this one, like when, <laughs> when, uh, when Joker, is a better better representation of like mental illness and sure. uh, has more respect for people um, who have mental illnesses and and have um, like psychiatric issues. Like that that's a problem. <laughs> you've, yeah. you've done something wrong. When <laughs> that is a much better movie, and when it comes to that, um, yeah, it's it's just it's just like. I, I got five minutes into the movie and was like, I feel like I need to pause it. I feel like oh, I, no, need, I need breaks. Same. I did not end up taking any. Um, and thankfully, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about this. There, there's a hard cut that I think they should have really <laughs> yes. like started the movie with. Uh, and then somewhere along the way, we just get into a bad, overly gory retelling of Halloween. And it's like, okay, fine. This can just pass in front of my face and I will ignore it. Um, but the beginning of the movie is is just such such a like awful thing to watch yeah and oh, i don't just know being who dragged through for. a swamp um for yeah yeah minutes. yeah and um we'll we'll get into some more of that i do have like actual thoughts about michael myers in particular in this movie because i don't want to get away from how much fun i was having with the halloween lore and i want to talk about why this movie is not is is bad at it <laughs> at the lore um but that's my spiel i th- i think the opening of this movie is is just downright maybe the worst section of movie like if we're talking about like half hour sections sure i'm not sure there's a better better contender for worst <laughs> half yeah. hour yeah uh section of film of any podcast we reviewed any film on this podcast that we reviewed i should say um not a fan um the best thing i will say is probably malcolm mcdowell for me sure. who is doing a a fun samuel Lewis, loomis impression for like the first half of the movie and then eventually just becomes malcolm mcdowell and anything else he's in which is also fine like sure <laughs> i'll, I'll yeah. take it um i i like to think at some point because they in the oh, in the beginning of the movie he has like a longer haircut and um like he looks ridiculous it's awesome he it but it's fun is and he i think he you can tell he's like trying to capture some of donald pleasant's yeah yeah it works well um 
and I liked it, like at some point he showed up to set and he was like, Oh no, I don't, I don't need uh, my wig today. And they were like, Oh, well it's the script says that you need to. And he's like, no, we're not. It's fine. Don't <laughs> like, I've realized what kind of movie this is. Um, because eventually he just gets back like his, his normal, like white hair and beard. It's like, okay, yeah. sure. <laughs> fine. Totally. Yeah. I, um, uh, that 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 can dovetail into into mine. I I'm glad you mentioned Hereditary because that is, I think a, a very good comparison. There there are a few other pieces of art that I can compare this to in terms of why I think those things did something not dissimilar or very similar to this and better. Mm-hmm. Um, my best thing about this movie is I'm gonna overall say the cast. Um, I no one in the movie to me really stuck out as like brilliant, but nobody really bothered me and when the times i was bothered i was like i just think you were you were given this thing to say and directed in this scene to be this way like i wouldn't say that william forsyth as a uh ronnie (laughs) the mom's boyfriend is is necessarily bad he is just given the worst things to say and and do and uh daryl sabara from spy kids has is is over the top and awful and the character, I mean, is awful. Um, but, like, I thought Malcolm McDowell was solid. There is a point after the end where he, when he shoots Michael, I thought, he only shot Michael three times because he's half the Loomis that Donald Pleasance <laughs> ever was. <laughs> but no shade on Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm McDowell's uh, uh, good. And I will also, uh, fun fact, we are recording this podcast on Donald Pleasance's birthday. Oh, so happy well, birthday, Don. I wish uh, it had been one of the other movies. <laughs> right? Uh um, but yeah, I you know I it, it it was nice to see Danielle Harris. It was terrible to see what they did to Danielle Harris, which we will ab- which I have a lot of thoughts on, and we will totally get into. As do I. <laughs> oh boy, because otherwise she uh, she played Annie, which is mean of Bob Zombo to do to me. <laughs> um, but I look, I thought she was good, and in, in as much as as anyone would be. Um, even like down to Tyler Maine as Michael Myers, who I think is given more quote acting to do than maybe anybody else has so far, just in terms of what he has on camera to do. I may complain about the fact that we see Michael's face, um, and questions about his hair, but like sure. Tyler Maine's a big dude. It's a good presence. Sure, man. He um, was Sabretooth. Yeah, and this is this is a game that I, uh, uh, that I like to play called Spot the Actor, and I got to do that a few times with this movie. <laughs> um, namely, Richard Lynch played the ch- uh, the principal, and he was in a movie from Mystery Science Theater called Werewolf, where he looked increasingly like a grandmother as the movie went on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could have called it Where Grandma. It was pretty good. Also, uh, Big Joe Grizzly, the truck driver, yeah. who <laughs> that is Keenan's dad from Keenan and Kel. Fascinating. Was, I. <laughs> Wow. Awesome. I don't know that I've ever we'll have to talk about that. I don't know that I've ever seen a more baffling sequence in a movie. <laughs> no, it was so <laughs> weird. <laughs> we'll have to talk about that. It was so weird, but I spent the whole time being like, Ken's dad is fun. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I mean, by and large, I thought the the performances are fine. Um also in case I don't if I forget to say it later, Malcolm McDowell has the one line of this movie that made me laugh, which is uh, in the end, the Mobius strip that is the ending confrontation between Laurie and yeah. Michael. Loomis saves her and he gets her into the car and they're talking. And then there's like the jump scare of Michael smashing into the car and grabbing Laurie. 
and in the chaos as she's screaming and he's struggling, you just hear, you hear like Malcolm McDowell amidst everything go, what the hell? <laughs> it sounds like he went, what are you doing? Oh, jeez. Look at all the glass. I don't know what we were filming right now. <laughs> exactly. He's just sounds so, it's not like shock. It's just he's fed up and surprised. Um, so, so there's that. Uh, Brad Dorif is another actor I really like in general. Um, Cuckoo's Nest, Lord of the Rings, come on. But I, I feel like my worst thing in this movie, I, there are a lot of things in this movie that I could pick. So I'm going to pick the thing to sum it up that we will break down later. Uh, I'm just going to say it's extremism. Um, this is a movie that so we, we talk a lot on this podcast. I know I do, especially when I talk about like good, bad stuff or whatever about things going over the top is is a, a phrase that I, we that a lot of people like to use and that I usually use fondly or is like, that's so crazy. What are you doing? Usually when something goes over the top, it crests beyond believability and is just like cartoonish. And you're like, a pigeon's doing a double take? What are we talking about here? But here, it, it never left the realm of believability to me. Not in that it was authentic and like naturalistic, but like all the stuff that Ronnie was saying, all the horrible things that people were doing and saying in the early scenes of the movie, it w- it never got cartoonish for me. It all it all just seemed like a very extreme version of a person I've spent so I've met before or like no. could know. And I'm like, no, this is it. You, it's not cartoonish enough that I can just like go, oh my god, this is almost funny how horrible this is. It's like. No, I still kind of buy it. And that's what it, makes me so upset. And I think it comes across as this is. I think what's what's hard to watch about it is that it feels like. It was written as a thing somebody feels exists like a, a right, a, right. A universe or a, a slice of our world that exists like these people and these things that they are saying and. Yeah. the horrible things that michael myers is doing like uh, yeah yeah it it all feels a, yeah maybe that's maybe believed is a better word than not believable <laughs> but that the, that like, some of these words and things are believed by the and again i don't i've never met zordon bombay over here mm-hmm. i don't know this guy mm-hmm. but i yeah the, the, this i feel like we're getting a peek into his worldview potentially and that is dismaying. Um, and then n- this is to say nothing of uh, the way the movie treats nudity, um, which, again, we'll get into. And uh, just, I don't know. I, I when, In terms of language, the other movie I thought of was The Departed, which has an F-bomb like three times a sentence. But that, as as much as I kind of roll my eye at that, just my one eye because I'm very talented, um, I, it's still, that that rather feels like, Hey, I'm from Boston. This is how these people talk in Boston. This is kind of the deal. Like it's it's about creating a a a a, a sense of place within the movie, and and that also gets overboard to a way that's like okay. And also, The Departed is like a well made <laughs> piece of cinema. <laughs> it does help, and, doesn't it? And it's genuinely funny. <laughs> right, right. And I think that a lot of this, a lot of the things that we're going to compare this to. If nothing else, even if they are still upsetting, they can back what they're doing up with a sense of craft. And this movie, I really don't think it's like horribly shot or anything. It's just it doesn't have 
the craft behind it that a bone tomahawk does so that sometimes that upsetting moment is the catch and not the main thing you take away from it. You're like, this movie's great. Uh, this one bit, I wasn't crazy about that. But oh man, I, I thought it was so well written and blah, blah, blah. This was just, all I could think about was the negative stuff in this. It, it, it far outweighed the, the positive. I'm, I'm, I'm getting off on a tangent, so well, I'll pause there and we'll break it all down because again, I have words. Alex, tell me why I'm wrong. Uh, <laughs> nothing you have said is incorrect. <laughs> uh, I I probably liked it the most of the three of us, and I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> and most of that's just probably down to I knew what I was getting into for the most part. Um, I think I saw like a TV edit edit of it at some point, so I had I had no idea about the differences between the unrated and and the theatrical. So getting into that, that was a fun conversation. Us kind of scrambling of like, oh crap, does Amazon only have the the unrated one that we don't want to watch? Um, so that was fun. I I I didn't like the movie very much. Um, I didn't think it was quite as much of a slog to get through. Um, as you both did, I, d- I didn't feel the need like every five minutes of like, I just want to stop this. I-, I didn't necessarily feel that way. I was just kind of like, it's, it's bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it is. You thought it was dialogue. kind of cool too, didn't you, Alex? Do you think doing cussing is cool? Th- there were probably about like 15 seconds worth <laughs> throughout the movie of like, it's verging <laughs> on cool, I guess. <laughs> Mark McDowell's got a pretty boss haircut (laughs) (laughs) all right but tyler it is interesting you pointing out like that the opening uh trying to explain why michael is the way that he is 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 the worst part of the movie and i i tend to agree it's interesting because that seems to be the rob zombie portion of it Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. that seems very much in the vein of of his other films and i've seen bits of devil's rejects that's not a movie i would recommend at all but that's like his most popular film and it's it's just it's just liberally uh, filled to the brim with unlikable characters and just despicable people, and it's just like I don't I feel dirty watching this, but not <laughs> yeah. it's not it's not enjoyable, uh, and that that seems to be because this is a very compromised movie from from what I understand, and the second one is as well where. Rob Zombie was constantly clashing with, um, I don't know if it would have been the Weinstein brothers still, or, you know, whoever the producers might be. Um, I think Mustafa Akkad's son was a producer on this, yeah. so he's probably dealing with him as well. Um, but it, my guess would be that the opening half is the Rob Zombie show, and then the second half is the producers going in and being like, but you're going to do Halloween, right? Mm. so that would be that would be my educated guess i don't know that for sure um and i don't know if we'll ever know that for sure um i am actually looking at a book uh online that that talks about the making of all the the halloween movies and i'm gonna (laughs) see if i can track that down and maybe at some point i will have answers um but yeah i i think that's that structure just the way it's split into uh trying to explain michael and then Oh crap! The movie's halfway over. Let's get to the Halloween portion. Um, it's it's just very ill conceived. Yeah. Uh, I've got a couple of worse things that I could pick from. Um, I don't like how unlikable the entirety of the Myers family is at the beginning. Like yep. none of them are likable. The sister's not likable. 
the mom's not likable until later on, but initially yeah. the conversation she's having with Ronnie, I hate them both. She's the closest though, I would say that because a lot of her unlikability, I think, is that she is she's trying to like she she's trying to meet him and then one up him. You yeah. know? It's more of a defensive awfulness, I think. Yeah. Sure, but that does <laughs> That doesn't make any. It doesn't make it any better in in the moment when you're watching yeah. the scene. It's no, just kind of yeah, like just, I just can... want to be out of this. Yeah. yeah. Um. And and the weird thing is, Tyler, and, and we'll we'll definitely get into this. I I do agree. Like there is a certain point after a lot of that stuff happens where the movie should actually start, and that that'll be for my my best thing actually. Uh. But I I think I'll I'll stick with my actual worst thing. I know I've, I've gone on a bit of a a, a tangent here. Uh, it's going to be how Daniel Harris is to handled. Um, yep. I, I was excited yep. Yep. to be like, oh, she's back. And, you know, some some, uh, uh, you know, we get get to follow through on on her not being there for Halloween six. And it's OK. We're giving her another shot. And then she's just Annie. And she spends like. Half of her screen time just being topless and laying on the ground covered in blood. And I was yeah. just very uncomfortable the whole time. Um it, it it feels kind of like a creepy, like almost like fanficy type of thing of like, oh, the little girl she grew up and she was hot and now we have to show her naked. Yep. It I did I was not comfortable with any of it, and it made and it made it even worse because I was like I really like Daniel Harrison in parts four and five. Yeah. And like now yeah. it's just I I, I don't know and I, and I I I don't know if she had fun making this at all. Um. It, it, it might have been a breeze of a production uh, from the actor standpoint. I don't know. Um, but just, yeah, it was just kind of sickening <laughs> how she was handled. And yeah. I, I just, I, I have, have to wonder what Rob Zombie's kind of thoughts were as he was going through that. And maybe I don't actually want to know them. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Uh, my best thing is going to be just the section where Michael is kind of uh, deteriorating in his mind when he's at the asylum. Mm. I think that's kind of the most effective stuff of the, in the film. And I think that's, that seems to be the most where Rob zombie actually has something to say. Sure. Uh, because you know, you've got the counterbalance of Michael is starts off seemingly as a more normal kid when he's in the asylum and they're actually trying to humanize him a bit, which the movie has not done a good job of prior to that. So cut the fat, uh, but it's it's interesting how he's like in denial about having killed yeah. his family, and that that seemed very realistic to me. And just his interactions with his mom, where he's like constantly he's you know putting on more and more masks, and he's making more masks, and it's like a defense mechanism. Uh, and then like it, it shows his process of just kind of like shutting down and shutting everyone out. And I, I I there's there is a scene. Correct me if I'm wrong. Where he's like freaking out, and he's he's begging to be let out of the asylum right yeah yeah i I remember that being being really really effective i i couldn't remember because i i've watched a couple of youtube videos comparing the different cuts of the movie so i couldn't remember if that was actually in this cut or not um okay i'm glad it is and then uh you know we get the counterbalance of seeing his mom trying as she as best she can to to kind of help him and and be there for him and then eventually it's just too much and she she commits suicide um, and her watching the home videos was actually kind of heartbreaking. And I'm like, why was she not this likable at the beginning yeah. when it mattered? Because <laughs> by, the, by the time you get to the asylum stuff, like it's already too late. The movie's already shot itself in the foot and it's just like it can't recover. Yeah. So 
Yeah, and that's like it's so much more interesting if you for one you get you lose half an hour or something and you have a much shorter movie which is going to be a lot more digestible yeah. uh, when it's this unsavory. Um but if the movie opened with yeah, Mike young Michael Myers and Lewis just talking and like having sessions where Lewis is trying to figure out what's going on and or figure out like what you know why why he murdered his sister. Um you could start there. And just have that be, okay, we're filling in the holes of, like, what happened in between Michael uh, committing the first murder and then uh, him getting, or him escaping the asylum. Like, that's that's an interesting area to explore, and, and it is really effective to see him be like, I didn't do anything, I don't understand, I just want to be, I just want to go home, like, this is awful, like him slowly withdrawing into his mind is, it is it's hard to watch, and it's hard to watch because it's done in a way that makes you think wow that would be a really terrible position for a kid to be in who doesn't clearly just does not understand what it is he's done and like isn't interfacing with reality well like that's that's uh i think strong stuff and it it does like effectively make you kind of see things from his perspective and realize like that's that's really messed up and it's uh it works um but because of the fact that we've already spent all this time being like, oh, it was, he's a product of his environment, I guess, is what the movie wants to say with the beginning. And also that entire murder sequence is like, just so again, like you said, Burton over the top and not uh, pleasant to watch and kind of already completely makes us like the only way to appreciate that asylum sequence where he's talking with with loomis over time is to and his mom is to disconnect the fact that we just watched this kid do all this stuff and like reset and be like okay well what what if this was the beginning of the movie would it still be interesting and then if you go into it with that mindset it can work (laughs) but it doesn't work knowing what just came before it and so i don't know it's it's a weird it's it's a bunch of weird choices cobbled together it's it's an odd i i think that i I also felt so uncomfortable in that because i was having to continue watching this child actor be put through this and one of the things i know it's all pretend and it's a movie set and, and and like you said alex everybody on this set may have felt so comfortable and it may have been the safest coolest you know and that kid is a okay and everything's fine but what I'm seeing when I watch this movie is that they're making this kid go be around all this stuff, you know, see all these things. And there's a scene where he goes up, he kills the girl, his sister's boyfriend, and then he goes up to kill her. And he's got the Michael Myers mask, which I'm, we can, uh, the, yeah. the traditional mask, which we can get into uh, later. I know Tyler has thoughts on that. But he's trying to like trick her into thinking he's the boyfriend. And so he like tickles her thigh, which is creepy. Oh, oh yeah. But the oh. shot does not look like a, uh, it looks like a child's hand. And so whether it was that, it, that boy or someone else like that, it, it looked like it was a kid. Now again, it, you know, it, it the, the kid wasn't touching any sensitive part of her body or anything. And I'm sure everybody was, I'm sure it was safe. I'm giving everyone the benefit of the doubt, 
But the fact that we still had a child have to do that is so uncomfortable. Because there are a lot of things in movies where you can have a child react. Like you see the child screaming in terror after we've seen something terrible. But the kid, the actor never actually saw that thing. Yeah. Because they can just cut away and they can, you know, the kid doesn't actually see or hear the stuff and to, to protect them. But in this, it was like, I think that's actually a kid's hand doing that. Like, that's really uncool. Um, it also, well, this is about the nudity, which uh, I don't know. This movie has a lot of female nudity, but it's high school girls who, and I know the actresses are adults. But the girls are in high school, so that makes me feel creepy. Because I'm like, I know the actress is a grown person. The character is in high school. <laughs> I don't think I should be seeing this. Um, so, yeah, there, just, yeah. There is this nudity is, in the first Halloween, correct? Yeah, there is. There is. And I, I think. It's, it's not as graphic. Right, um, right. Is maybe which the is, biggest yeah. takeaway. Well, it's, it's tastefully done. It's more like matter of fact of like, yeah, they were having sex. So she's naked, but we're yeah. not going to just like constantly have the camera on her boobs or as, oh, Daniel Harris is getting chased around this house for what feels like an eternity. Yeah. And it's just like, nope, keep keeping the camera right on her chest the whole well, and, time. Uh, uh, their friend Linda, who dies. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a whole situation. I would also point out that this movie, there is a strip club scene in this movie that doesn't have nudity in it. Yeah. <laughs> They cut away from, and first of all, if, if Cheryl Moon, zombie, Rob Zombie's wife, playing the mom who is a stripper, if she didn't want to do a topless scene, great. Glad he didn't make her. And these are all adult women. And going back to the Danielle Harris thing, I'm not going to infantilize her. Just She's older than I am. But like she, I, I have known her as a child in these movies. Exactly, I'm not going to yeah. infantilize her. But what I, you know, it, it's, it's the thing that made me uncomfortable about it was not what, no, you're a little kid. You can't be naked. It was, no, you're an adult woman and you consented to this. And if you want to do those scenes, great. It is up to you. But it's, it's the way it's handled. And the nudity in this movie is always framed with violence. Yeah. It's violent nudity. It's, they're having sex and the boys who die in these movie in this movie die with their clothes on. Yeah. They've had sex. And then they leave and get dressed, so they get to die dressed. The women are tortured and killed and all this other stuff and chased naked, killed naked, found naked. And it's it's the the thing I've talked about before where it's we're going to arouse you by making them naked and then we're going to arouse you by killing them naked. And it's, it's really unsettling. And I, I don't know what the word commentary means anymore <laughs> in our modern world. But uh, this movie is not commenting on anything, and particularly with 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 Danielle Harris's character is that she is not killed, but she's wounded. And like you said, Alex, she's laying on the ground and she's crying and she's traumatized. She's covered in her own blood and she's just topless. And the movie is just really focusing on it, and it felt so exploitative, and it felt so gross. Um, and yeah, it just it. We, we've all seen gratuitous nude scenes and unnecessary, like, okay, come on. <laughs> but this felt, again, exploitative is, is the word. Um, and, and that it was always around a violent scenario. That later, Lori finds Linda's body and she's, well, okay, I guess it would be, well, Michael's done other pranks. He could have dressed her. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's unsavory and uh, does not work. 
Yeah, I, I think furthermore, if you're looking at it just in the context of this franchise, and particularly it's begging for comparisons with the original, yeah. it's literally just stealing that story for half of it. The The first film is, is just so tastefully done, and it doesn't feel exploitative right. in any way. Like, it just feels like it's just an effectively done horror film. So the fact that they go so far to the other end um, in a way that none of the other movies have really done. I think there's story elements, certainly like Halloween 6, there's disgusting elements in that movie too. Yeah. But for the most part, they don't show most of the disgusting elements. Yeah. Well, and in one of them, I it's whatever they're having sex in the barn and Michael kills the guy, the, the, the boy with a pitchfork. Yeah. Like, that... And that scene, the man and woman who die are both naked. <laughs> so, yeah. like, there's an equal footing there. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, I also think that with the original Halloween, if someone watched that movie and, and did feel the nudity was distasteful, there's so, that's such a small part of that movie experience right. that there's so much else going on that you're like, okay, I have this problem with, the, with, with this element, sure. However, look at all this other stuff that's done really well. And in this movie, it's such a, a feature. Yeah. yeah. And there's not really much of a reason that it's done other than just like it's yeah. edgy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But I will say of, of Daniel Harris, her Annie is not as annoying until here's here's another problem I have, <laughs> not with nudity, but with sexuality is there. It's um. Okay, so Annie uh, is, they're doing the thing with the babysitting, and you come over, which I'd never really understood, like, you say, you bring your babysat child to my house, and then we'll babysit them, but you'll go over there. I guess I do understand it. Annie comes <laughs> over, and she's like, Lori, you need a boyfriend, and Lori's like, no, I don't, ha, 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 and she's like, no, you need, and then she starts, like, dry humping her, and, like, caterwauling yeah. about needing a boyfriend in a sexual manner, and there's a shot of the two kids watching them do this, and that's weird. The boy, by the way, is Skylar Gisondo from Booksmart and Night at the Museum 3. Oh. So, hey, Skylar. Oh. I, yeah. think he, I think he also might be one of uh, Gwen Stacy's siblings in The Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, he's a yeah, psych and everything. He's great, yeah. But but he's in there. But there's there's a, a bunch of sequences in this... Sequences. Scenes in this movie where the, the babysitters are talking to... Is it Lindsay is the little girl's name? The character? Yeah. Tommy and Lindsay? Yep. Where they're like... Hey, I think we'll go over to, to Tommy's house later. And look, it is a common thing in human behavior to tease kids about having crushes on other kids. 99% of the time, it is such a benign chase. Like, ooh, you I bet you think she's cute. What? No, I don't. Girls are gross. Like, it's, it's so chaste. <laughs> Annie literally says, we're going to go to your late night lover, Tommy's house. That is a child. They can't stay up late. <laughs> Britain, would you believe me if I said uh, Bob Zombie, uh, not only did he direct the film, he wrote it. <laughs> I would. You Well, first of all, that would suggest that the film was written. Um, no, it was. But yeah, it, it, I, that I, was... Actresses would not be ad-libbing that no, That was my next point. Is like, I actually do not think that Danielle Harris would... I don't think that's the thing that would have come to her in the moment. Um, but yeah, it just... It was so creepy that like... They were... The way they were... They, they couldn't even do this chaste thing in a chaste way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
It felt so. I, I had the thought while I was watching it. He does even the, w- people being nice to each other didn't s- seem real in this movie. Like he doesn't seem to know how to write nice people, according to this movie. Yeah. Well, even yeah, th- this movie just seems to be an exercise. And let me make l- let me see if a movie works where literally every character is unlikable. Well, even because even like yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Because he, you know we get kind of the normal scene where Lori is with her friends and they're talking about like oh you're the goody two shoes you're perfect we need to get you a boyfriend haha ha. and they're all like oh i love you i love you blah 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 like like friends yeah and that's fine I we're think always that's... doing that to each other the three of us mm-hmm. always always that's that's the preamble before the podcast you, oh. guys, you guys don't know it but that's that's what, that's a ritual <laughs> i'm always talking about mature leading stunts <laughs> yeah. but Literally, the scene where we introduce Lori, where she's talking to her stepfamily, she is making very, very crude remarks about a a neighbor who they think is like a creep. Yeah. And she's like, oh, mom, you didn't know he was trying to, to get under my shirt? And she's like being like really, really explicit about it. And it's yeah. very creepy. I'm like, so she's our protagonist for, for the rest <laughs> of the movie. Is that is that what we're doing? Fortunately, yeah. fortunately for for at least Lori, that gets scaled back almost oh, immediately. Yeah, totally. But it's a bizarre way to introduce her. I yeah. did not get that. Yeah, the, the movie the, does. I was going to say real quick, does also have quite a bit of language that is like. I don't. I don't know if it would have become. I guess, language that people recognize is not language that should be used. Uh, but basically, like, slurs about mental illness and uh, homosexuality. Like, yep. probably that is enough for you to know what I'm talking about if you're listening. Um, and I don't know when really, like, the the pushback against that came from. Uh, I don't know if 2007 was just, like, in the height of that where everybody was... Or, like, it was perfectly acceptable to say those things in film and television because we we've made some progress recently yeah um over the last decade or so but uh that also does not help uh, any of the movie's cause and i want to throw that in there because that was also something i was thinking about like with the the teens like hanging out like there's a lot of that as well yeah um and maybe that's realistic for teens in 2007 but it doesn't it doesn't do anything to to make the movie more endearing or like make the characters more engaging. Yeah. Uh, to say the least. When it still feels like the people who are friends and like the Strodes who are the nice family, all they do is make fun of each other. <laughs> and like pe- we, we, we tease the people we love totally, but it's so much. And when they're being nice to each other, it still feels like stiff and weird. Mm-hmm. Um, like Rob Zombie went, okay. And now you have to be n- not n- Nietzsche. Nike, 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 be Nike to each other. And it just, it was, it was unpleasant. And like the, Linda is talking about the, a coach who she got into an argument with and it is just, she gets real coarse about her opinions of this person and the implications of her. It is real intense. Um, yeah, it's just, I, I didn't get it and it, it was just bizarre to me. Um. Yeah, I didn't like it. <laughs> Talking well, of the opening, uh, oh sorry, Todd, did you have a point? I was gonna say now that we've uh, 
you know, really gotten into the moral implications of the film. Let's let's talk about the most important element, which is the mask. Yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, for this film, why not? So, <laughs> all right. So, the original original Halloween mask. It is a weirdly distorted William Shatner mask. I don't know. Do Do you know, Alex, where they found it? Like, what the backstory of that is? I think they had like five bucks and they said go to a nearby like costume store. You know, I don't know if they were actually filming during Halloween, but like just a store to pick up a couple of masks. And they picked up the William Shatner mask and like a clown mask or something like that. Was it did they do anything to the mask? Yeah, they they, uh, they changed the mask. I, I don't know if they changed the hair, but they definitely uh they definitely discolored it to get the the white pasty look. Um, and I don't know if it had like eyebrows or anything that they might have removed. Um, but yeah, they did make altercations to it. Okay. So alterations, altercations. Yeah, it's a fight. So during they fought this... the mask, they punched it. That's what <laughs> that's what maybe. turned it white. Um, they in this movie have Judith, Michael Myers' sister, uh, is having sex with her boyfriend. And her boyfriend pulls out the mask, and the mask is the Michael's Michael Myers mask in the not flashback, I guess, because that's just where the movie starts. But in the portion of the movie that takes place during uh, Michael Myers' childhood, um, the this boy has this mask, which is very clearly a Michael Myers mask. Why? <laughs> Does he have a Michael Myers mask? When the mask mask wouldn't exist without Michael Myers, and it's very clearly like no no store would have this for sale because I mean, Michael Myers doesn't. They might have yeah a William Shatner mask, and that would be fun. That would be that would be a it. I mean, it, Judas Judas uh very um like immediately like. Uh, stop that crap! Yeah, this is dumb. I thought and you he were... says I want to do it with the mask on. Which yeah, is cool. Uh, that would all be kind of fun if he was wearing a William Shatner mask. That would be silly, and then you could like have that. Maybe he, the house yeah. burns down because Rob Zombie doesn't care that much about the continuity, and then somehow we end up with this horrible burn mask that he finds later on. Sure, I think that would be actually neat. That would be kind of like a silly, fun thing for how we got to this point. It is a fully formed Michael Myers mask. It is like the mask from. I mean, really, like it, like it's it's trying to replicate the original mask. Like, it, yeah. I mean, admittedly, in world, original Michael Myers found that mask. Yeah. In seventy eight Halloween. That's true. I get what you mean. Is that this one looks like a more polish like how the audience has come to know that mask yeah and and i guess that's the thing is like the michael myers mask in the original looks like it's it's almost fuzzy like it's hard to understand exactly what you're looking at when you look at it because it's such a weird distorted face yeah um so it's hard to know like what the, basically the original mask doesn't look like something you would buy in a store so it it works and you can like we i think we talked about it and joked about it like oh he's got some weird mask that 
somebody was selling that like was messed up from a factory or whatever. Um, but it doesn't look like a polished, like this is a Halloween mask. It looks like something weird. Yeah. Uh, it looks, it looks outlandish. It doesn't look like a Hollywood prop. <laughs> yes. And this one, this one looks like, and because the teen has this mask, the implication is like, oh, he went out and bought this. And it looks like a mask. You could go into, uh, any pop-up Halloween store and buy a Michael Myers mask. And it looks like that. Um, and like a, a high quality one, like you can see the fibers, like it all, it just is such an exact replica um, that is meant to look good if you are wearing it as part of a Halloween costume because it, because you're trying to evoke the idea of Michael Myers. Like it's very, it, it's different in this to see that mask and have the, this random teen have that mask than it, is for Michael Myers to show up with like this creepy look. It's like, what, it, what, what, what is that mask? What am I even looking at? Like, what did he do? Did he like dunk his head in a bucket of oil? Like what, why, why does that look so weird? And where did he get that from? Um, this is, yeah. It, like the fact that he has it, that's one thing. First of all, like that's, that's already saw that. And I was like, I do not like that. Then the child, picks it up as a child and puts it on after taking off the clown mask. And that is the mask. The, the Michael Myers mask is what he is wearing when he kills his sister. And it looks so dumb <laughs> because it is this massive mask that is like designed for a, a large man. And it like, starts at the neck starts at his shoulders basically <laughs> and it's this giant bobblehead looking mask uh on this poor kid who's running around after his uh film sister uh and it, it was just comical like it, it's the yeah. dumbest thing and then we have him come back to the house after he escapes and he that's where he finds the mask it's it's like a time paradox like we don't like you you never explained where the mask came from. At least the original one is like, oh, he he broke, he stolen and or broken and stole a mask from this hardware store. What type of mask? We're not going to explain that. You're, he's going to show up and he's going to look creepy, and we're, you're just going to accept it because he's a creepy dude. It works somehow. But this is like the kid bought a Michael Myers replica mask, and that became the mask that Michael Myers used. <laughs> there were a few examples kind of similar to that where I was like, why are we taking half measures? Mm -hmm. with this premise of it trying to explain things in more detail. Like Bob decides to put on the, the ghost sheet with the glasses and everything. And in the original movie, that's just like, apparently Michael just came up with that. Cause he likes trolling his victims as we right. all know in this movie. It's not so much that we get a scene of Bob just wandering around the house or whatever. And he's just like, Ooh, this I'm going to use this. And we see him planning it. There's just a scene of him walking down a hall and right. Michael just grabs him and kills him. And that's that's all we get for that. Um, and then the other example that I, I came, you know, I, I kind of found when I was watching it. Um, they don't give any sort of explanation as to why Michael is that big. <laughs> why is he so much bigger than what we would expect Michael Myers to be? Like he is so, so big and so tall and they they don't want to go into the supernatural stuff because I guess that would uh that would 
veer too close to Cult of Thorn type things, and this movie is way too edgy for that. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, the movie just like it, it takes these weird steps where you think it's trying to explain things and and to give more rationale for why things happen that you kind of just let go by in the original because it's a movie and it's very well told. Um, but then it just doesn't, it raises more questions. <laughs> I mean, I will say, I don't think there needs to be an explanation for his size. Cause like he's as big as Tyler Maine is and Tyler Maine is a guy. So like, I didn't feel like that required any sort. It's like he's, he grew up to be big. Cause some people grew up to be big. I think it works well enough to capture the feeling of the original Michael Myers um, in terms of his physicality. They don't really, the filmmaking is not good enough to capture the actual ways that the film, the original film helped Michael Myers be creepy. Uh, It doesn't have any of the kind of camera tricks and the craft to make it look, make it just like tense to see him standing across the road or whichever pick pick your scene from that movie um but i think it works okay just because they want him to be a big mean dude yeah i i think for me it's just i i i had a hard time really kind of reconciling with that because as a kid he is so so tiny and so not muscular and like, I'm not saying I needed a scene of, uh, you know, we, we show up 15 years later and, and Michael is doing a bunch of chin-ups, but... I do I do like, like the idea that you wanted a jacked 10-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I need this... Listen, first of all, 10-year-old Michael Myers did not look 10 to me. He looked like 12 or 13. That's a husky boy, which is not, you know, not shaming him. I'm just saying he looked older than 10. Um, but uh, I do, I do <laughs> like that Alex is watching this, like... No, this child needs to be Diesel. What are we doing here? <laughs> I, I appreciate that you're asking, or you're saying we don't need a scene of Michael Myers working out. I think we do. I think we need yeah, we need great. a montage. Yeah, for sure. I'm gotta to prove me wrong, and he's like, <laughs> gotta kill them teens. He got Danny Tre- Danny Trejo is like standing next to him, like. Like uh, uh, letting a chicken out of a coop and Michael's running around after it. <laughs> he's, he's got the water bottle that he's squirting in, into his mouth. every. Now uh, you've got speed. <laughs> <laughs> you've got to cut him, Mike. You've got to cut him. If this movie did take a detour and it was like a mini Rocky movie, mm-hmm. I yeah, I would have been thrilled with that. <laughs> I am. Um, I wanted to revisit the, the opening for another comparison. So... The, the, first of all, it's a flawed execution because I guess the, the theory here is that Michael became terrible because he, his circumstances were terrible growing up. Michael is suggested to already be terrible when we meet him. He's already killing animals. Now, yes, he's nice to his mom and the baby, but this still just kind of feels like, well, they're not mean to you, so you they just haven't incurred your wrath yet. Um, so it's like... again it kind of just goes back to this really nihilistic view the movie seems to have where it's like i grew up in a terrible place and he was a terrible thing and it was all just bad and yes a lot of it is prompted but i think it would have helped if we had gotten more of the the nicer side of michael the idea that he really was pushed to an extreme and not that he was already starting out killing animals um yeah 
but there, the, the the comparison that I got from particularly Ronnie uh, was Daredevil uh, in the first season. There's an episode where we get a uh, we do some flashbacks into Kingpin Wilson Fisk's childhood, and in in that show Wilson Fisk uh, he had an abusive father who at least was abusive to his mother if not to Wilson as well or not physically abusive to Wilson, and that episode does such a better job of one when we come away from those upsetting scenes of domestic abuse which weirdly to rob zombie's credit we never see ronnie hit anybody it is clearly implied what the the nature of this thing is that he's lusting after the daughter and he's so just horrible to everybody and clearly he's an abusive person but we are fortunately never made to watch him physically abuse anyone Whereas we, we do in Daredevil, but in Daredevil, one, I, I've fortunately never been in a, a household like that, but it feels uh, natural, and it feels like we are depicting how this happens when this sort of monster is in a home. And we also, when we leave that scene, we've, we have uh, constructed something. We've gotten an idea that Wilson Fisk grew into the person he was because of both of his parents, that he is uh, uh, the product of the behavior they taught him and the behavior they modeled for him and how that sort of leads to this fully dimensional night. Well, villain, yes, but fully dimensional human that we meet in all the present scenes with D'Onofrio, who is of course amazing. And you have the, these upsetting sequences that I did have to like mute or fast forward a little bit because it's not pleasant to watch, but because it's not supposed to be because the show is trying to depict this is one, how horrible this is and why it's not something to be taken lightly, but also how that affects a child. When a child is in a household where one person is talking about violence and enacting violence, what does that do to them when the other parent is not like that? And the, the, this version of Halloween is just, it's just bad. It's just all of it's just bad. It's not constructive. Mm-hmm. You all we really need, all, all that movie is saying is Michael Myers became a murderer because he was bullied and he had a bad house. Okay, <laughs> okay, but you're not showing us this in any kind of constructive way, and it's just upsetting. And you could have it, you, that's a hand wave. Um, it's it's a very upsetting thing, and it doesn't come with the productivity for one of a phrase that something like Daredevil did. And I'm sure there are other versions that I haven't seen. Uh, what was that movie with DiCaprio and uh, Robert De Niro? The boys, this boy's life, or something. I haven't seen those those things, but um, uh, I just I don't know. Yeah, shocker! Daredevil did something better. <laughs> uh, two points I want to make on that real quick. Yeah, it, it completely goes against the thesis of the original Halloween, right? Which I think is okay if you've got something to say. I think potentially. You should be given free reign to do that if you are doing a, uh, your own interpretation of the material. Sure, I think that's fine. I, we've seen we've seen all sorts of examples of, of that where it's just like, oh, that doesn't really fit the mold of what this was originally supposed to be, but it's new and it's interesting and and you know it actually works on its own on its own merits. But this is just like the idea is that Michael came from just a normal household. There's there's nothing to get. He's just evil. Yeah, he just became evil one day, and that's what's so scary about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And the fact that <laughs> the premise is just 
oh no, he he had an abusive household, and that's that's the explanation. That's that's all you get. Um, it's it's very very weak. And I do want to point out Halloween Resurrection. Uh, the whole uh. A good amount of time is spent on that with the dangertainment scenario, trying to make you believe that yeah. uh, Michael Myers right. grew up in an abusive that household. There's a, that there's an easy explanation for Michael Myers being what he is. As Halloween Resurrection got this right. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying that. I tried to tell y'all. <laughs> there's something to it. They you thought about it a lot more <laughs> than this movie thought about it. I definitely feel like Dan McCoy was talking about this on Flophouse once about prequels and, and these things and how he said you know I f- i'm paraphrasing here i feel like these days that a lack of backstory is considered a flaw when i think sometimes it works the things that your imagination will conjure can be much more effective depending of course on what we're dealing with i'm watching haunting of hill house right now and there's a lot of well it's not even really backstory it's just that it's a time spanning story so that's not a good example but um I feel like what I have liked about the first movie is just that, that we can imagine all these reasons, but really it's just that it became, and the it, it's it's the lack of information that makes Halloween 1 so scary for yeah. me. And whether it it's this uh, awfulness or the um, silly supernatural stuff and the other continuities, like whatever it is, it's like, Okay, like you said, Alex, if you want to take make a different, like, if if your defense is we've already made that movie, I want to have a different take on this. Sure, you can do that. That's fine. But and I just don't happen to feel like anybody has made it work <laughs> in this franchise yeah, yeah. outside of the first one. But yeah, there are times definitely where I'm like, I, I, it, it's the it's it's the Lovecraft thing, right? Like it's the unknowable that is so so frightening, the inconceivable. We have that that. A repeated exchange in this where Laurie goes, was that the boogeyman? Right. And Loomis goes, yes, I think it was. That does not work in this movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> that works completely in the original, given given how, how Michael is portrayed throughout that. But in this one, it just seems super silly. And I feel like Loomis could go, well, actually, my dear, <laughs> he came from an abusive household. Would you, would you like to hear his audio tapes from uh, when he was 12 and I was talking with him? I knew I should have turned my chair backwards. I knew I should have gotten, really gotten to him on his level. I knew I should have pulled my hair back into a ponytail. <laughs> I should have brought my chess set. I thought about the guitar. And I never... Six ties! By the way, Laurie, have you seen Breaking Bad? Best show I've seen since The Wire. <laughs> Six seasons! Six seasons! Well, five split into two, OAMC. Anyway, enough about my programming. Oh, Michael Myers is here. Uh, uh, I've yeah. also seen The Wire and want to talk about it. <laughs> you guys talk about The Wire? <laughs> Best show I've seen since... Best show I've seen since Cheers? <laughs> um, Hell Street Blues, but yes. Um No, I and it's specifically with Michael Myers, it's it's the unknowable darkness coming from very mundane settings. Like it's yes. the it's the yes. kid can just snap and do a murder. And that's why the the first movie ends with Michael Myers has escaped into the night. 
he could be anywhere. We're showing you shots that are going to instill tension and fear in you as you are walking out of this this movie um, because you realize Michael Myers could be anywhere, which means that even if we know Michael Myers doesn't exist, like anything could be hiding yeah. in suburbia. Like there, you, you don't know what's out there. Um, and that's, it's trying to evoke that. It's trying to get you to think about, at least that's my interpretation is it's trying to get you to think about the, the darkness lurking in, you know, and an even just like a simple Midwestern town. It's very yeah. Lynchian in that regard. Like there's, mm -hmm. there's some angles there. So I, yeah, like going back and trying to give an explanation that nobody needed. And that goes against the core tenet of the, the villain uh, doesn't make sense to me. It, it's a lot like, I think I made the comparison to y'all. Um, it makes me think of like every Marvel comics villain prequel or like, uh, like they they've done it with Apocalypse, the X Men villain, Thanos, Wolverine, uh, not a villain, but like the, the, they've not to varying degrees of like success. Like I've read a lot of these and I don't necessarily hate all of them, but there is always this vibe of like we didn't really need this, and you're you're trying to stick this piece of continuity that's supposed to explain what the big secret or mystery behind this character is after they've already had a million stories exploring how interesting of a character they are and like dealing with the character as they are in the quote unquote present of the Marvel universe. And I'm sure DC does this too, but I'm just pulling off Marvel examples. Um, so you're trying to take this prequel and stick it on and make it have relevance and make it like, make you rethink that character's interactions that you've seen in the like actual continuity and there's just no good way to do that. Like there's no way to easy, easy way to take a character and say, okay, I'm going to give you insight on this. That's going to completely make you think, rethink about, you know, what they are. And I think the main, the main problem is not so much that uh, it can't be done, but that a lot of the times when it's done, it is something like this where it's like, we're going to show you how dark and tragic their backstory is. We're going to show you how much, bad stuff happened to them or how much bad stuff they did. And that's really going to make you, you know, think about how bad yeah. the, the situation for this character is like how, how they're, they're evil or they overcame great evil. And like, it, it I feel like you immediately going for that angle instead of the much more interesting angle for this would have been showing a very like spending 30 minutes building up this very, uh, you know, lovely yeah. family who's very sweet to each other and, you know, is worried about finances and they're, uh, I don't know. Worried no, about it's the like a domestic, like, no, like, it's just like a domestic drama. Just like, yeah. Just like a, a domestic period piece drama that leads to this horrible thing happening right beneath their, their, their noses, like without them expecting it or realizing it. That's such an, such a more interesting idea than trying to like one up the fact that the character is built on tragedy. I, I don't know. It's, it's such an odd creative choice and I don't, I don't get it. I don't get where the drive came to be like, we need to show this in this light. Yeah. Well, and I think you, you mentioned suburbia. I think that's the thing is the original movie is about 
a place where bad stuff like that doesn't happen. And it's how could this evil arise out of nowhere and specifically here? We're like, yeah, we're having sex and it's Halloween, but like, you know, everyone's pretty lax at the beginning of that movie because they're like, we can just walk places. It's not scary. The sheriff can just drive around, whatever. But in this, it's just like a terrible place to be. Mm -hmm. So you don't you don't get the feeling of of the randomness of it or the invasion into that sort of idyllic lifestyle. Bucolic or whatever. Um, Yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah. Um, also, uh, before I forget to say it, Brad Dorif, I liked the premise of his facial hair. Didn't commit to it. <laughs> He's kind of got the Abraham from Walking Dead handlebar deal going on. Is this not full enough? Maybe a little bushier? I don't know. Maybe in the sequel. We'll see. Yeah, he doesn't I, I, really I will, even... I will try and uh, give us a little bit of something to look forward to. Uh, he does get more to do in the second film. Yeah. So... He doesn't really attempt to evoke the sheriff from the first one. He's just yeah. like, eh fine um, and in, I'm Brad in the first movie when they have the exchange <laughs> with the teenagers and linda's like was he flirting with me there was like a i understood why she was asking that question in this one she was like hey he was like Brad Dorf's like hey girls do i need a ride all right come on in my daughter and then they drive off and she's like was he flirting with me <laughs> it's like no he he did nothing weirdly in this movie he did nothing that was creepy Oh dear! There was direction in the script, and Brad put his foot down and said, "Robbo, it ain't <laughs> happening tonight." Listen, I'm Grima Wormtongue. Do you understand that? I like the idea of uh, uh, they get in, and uh, Annie has to like put it. She's getting into the car, and he goes, "Oh, let me put the palantir in the back. I'm one of the seeing stones. That's how I keep an eye on Haddonfield." <laughs> He's just like. Good God, man. Joss Whedon wrote a scene of me kissing glass with an alien on the other side, but I will not do this. <laughs> when did that happen? Alien Resurrection. Joss Whedon wrote that? Yep. Also, better than you'd expect from a movie with a subtitle Resurrection. <laughs> Correct. Um, Interesting. The, the last thing I wanted to talk about was the dialogue. Um, because I... Britain, you said that your best thing was the cast. Um, and my first thought was that I disagreed because I think a lot of the cast gets lines that makes them bad. <laughs> sure, sure. And you you did talk about that some. Um, I would, having never been exposed to Rob Zombie dialogue before, I, and I don't know how much necessary, like, I, I don't know if this is all, like, his vision. It sounds like he, it seems like he's the only credited writer, correct? He is. Um, I would describe the, the, the attempt at writing style in this as like Aaron Sorkin, but if he hated people and also was bad at writing, um, it's, it's just very like, it's trying to be snappy, but it's so stilted and there's so much grime. Yeah. (laughs) Shoved into every word and every, every sentence, uh, that people are just saying such ridiculous things that obviously like they're delivered poorly because you don't like who would deliver that well <laughs> like yeah uh i don't know i i felt bad for a lot of the cast because i think that was happening often and i was noticing it pretty often that they just were saying things that did not come across like at all in a way that was immersive yeah to the film viewing 
don't yeah, know. It, yeah. Well, it's odd. It's it's the sort of movie where you can tell the the nice quote unquote characters because they also say super gross sexual things and use kitchen objects as visual puns on genitalia, but they're doing it as a joke. That's how you know they're nice. Is that they're laughingly kidding, and and the person they're telling it to is laughingly yeah. responding. That's how you know they're nice. Is it time for grades? Uh, a couple things I wanted to address real quick. Uh, I, here we go. No, you guys, you guys mentioned uh, the uh, the bathroom kill. I don't know if you guys. Wanted oh, to speak right. To that. Yeah, we got to talk oh, about this. Big yeah. Joe Grizzlies. So I, I wanted to talk about that, and then I wanted to talk about the never-ending chase sequence that is the last third of this movie, because oh, it just oh, would yeah. not stop. Do we have to? <laughs> it is unending. Um, yeah, the bathroom scene. Uh, what, what's the character's name? Grizzly? Big something? Joe Grizzly. Big Joe Grizzly. Movie uh, does not earn that character's name. Uh, he's He's just... He's just a trucker who's, who's stopped at a, a trucking station, and he's using the bathroom. And Michael just won't stop knocking on his stall. And uh, Mr. Lot, Grizzly, yeah. Mr. <laughs> Grizzly has a lot of uh, very bad dialogue trying to to uh, deter Michael and send him away. Yeah, trying to explain to Michael so this is a gastrointestinal situation he's he's experiencing. And then also, he's not gay. Right. Leave, because yeah. Uh, yeah, that 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 was gonna happen. It's a Rob Zombie movie. That was gonna happen, and then they get into a knife fight in which Michael basically just grabs him immediately and just bashes him against the wall. And this this man does not question at all. Like he has no reaction when Michael Myers is standing on the other side. Yeah, to to this terrifying man in a mask. He's huge and like yeah. being weird. Well, he's not wearing a mask at that point. I think he's just got like a hoodie. And oh, I think he has the orange. I was gonna pumpkin. say, does he not? Is have he the... wearing? Okay, he might be. I, the one I, I could be wrong. The paper mache. Um, the, but yeah, he doesn't quite. He's just like, hey, I'm gonna fight you, and <laughs> he gets horribly murdered. Yeah. What? And that he's having this conversation while he is on the toilet. But when he's dead, he has his pants on. I'm glad he does. Continuity. Um, also, speaking of continuity, so Michael Myers in this movie has long hair. Scraggly, long <laughs> hair. Where does it go when he puts on the mask? Does he tie it up? Does he have a little, like, hair tie he has on his Got wrist? A man bun. Like a wig cap or something? Yeah, it's, like, what? what is it? And he... Because there's a scene where he... When he goes back to the house and he finds the mask that Bob had and that he used. And he's like, finally, I've grown into you. And he, he has his long past his shoulders hair, starts putting the mask on and then it cuts away. And when it cuts back, it's the mask is on fully and the hair's up and everything's fine. Britain, it goes to the same alternate dimension that Andrew Garfield's uh, poofy hair goes to when he puts on the Spider-Man mask. There you go. Um, yeah, it's, and it, this is the sort of thing where in a movie that I, I liked, if this had happened in Parasite or something, I'd be like, oh, it's human error, whatever. Why are we fussing over it? But it's not. <laughs> it's not happening in Parasite. It's happening in Halloween 2007. Well, also, I feel like that would be one of those things where in a movie where they're thinking about so many different things and it's so complex and they're hitting so many other things, you, you'd be, you'd be giving the director the benefit of the doubt and going, 
You know, I, I bet they 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 have an explanation. Sure. They know how they did it, and they just like they're right. expecting the audience to go with it. This with the rest of this movie, we're just going. Is that a mistake? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's another drop in the well as opposed to a weird like, huh? Okay, whatever. Uh, and then we get to the end, which plays out like a more grisly version of the original Halloween, and you even get the end of that. Well, it's interesting, because Michael yeah. actually grabs Laurie from the house with the kids well, in it. So he... there the, Is that before or after the shootout in the pool? That's before. Okay. Before. Yeah, that was weird to me. I actually thought... I, I didn't think the movie was very scary. That was the only time I, I thought it got close, because I was just like, oh, he's actually... Like the kids are right there, and he's yeah. he's attacking. Like I, I, I was genuinely like in fear of their safety. Yeah, uh, he takes he takes Lori, yeah, back and like has to show her the shrine he made, which is <laughs> I would argue much more effective than the first one, where she stumbles upon it after yeah. we don't know what he's been up to in that house the whole time, and she's like, "Oh God, that's terrifying," but he takes her directly to it, which yeah. is like a very telling instead of showing kind of right thing of like oh we need to make this a more uh central part of michael myers plan instead of just hey i'm murdering some some teens i must carry her to the end of the movie (laughs) basically (laughs) there's a you mentioned the kids there's a shot in this movie that in other movies i think would be frightening where uh lindsay the little girl is watching the monster movie that michael watched as a child and it's this wide shot, and she's sitting and watching, and we see Michael behind the standing behind the couch watching the movie. In 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 John Carpenter's hands, that would be a very scary. Oh my God, he's right there! In this movie, it looked like he was going. Well, what are you watching? <laughs> can, can you turn it up? Any popcorn left? I actually thought yeah. that that might be what they were doing because young Michael, like I feel like that would be something he would be fascinated by of like, Oh, I haven't seen TV in a long time. Oh, it's like this interesting old horror movie. I used to watch those on Halloween or, you know, some, I, I I actually considered that that might be the intent. (laughs) Maybe. I mean, he's missed a lot of, he missed party of five. Um, (laughs) the Brady Brady bunch Bunch reunion. reunion. There it is. Um, (laughs) 1995, you know where it's at. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's what he was trying to like i gotta Cheers. get I, I, I gotta make <laughs> i gotta make friends with danny trey he'll get me out on time i gotta see my my favorite tv family yeah um but yeah the, he takes Lori to the house and then they have a shootout in a pool instead of the top floor because we have to be different and then he busts well, into the car well I, it, there's, there's a little more bit more to it than stuff. that there's a, there? there's a little bit more to it. No, because there's the, well, there's there, the scene so, where where he's like, oh, I, he's trying to explain, but he can't actually talk for some reason. He's trying to explain that no, you're my sister. I don't want to kill you. I just want to connect with you. And she's like, uh, I'm gonna stab you now and run away. And I guess that's he doesn't continue to try and like persuade her in any way or 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 try to communicate with her. After that, he's kind of just like, okay, I'm gonna kill you now, which. Given that he's invincible at this point, and once again feeding into my, so you're not going to explain that, <laughs> right? Uh, he's invincible. Uh, he just decides to chase her for the rest of the movie. Yeah, I to kill her. Don't 
so the she then there's there's literally feels like 20 minutes i think it might be 20 minutes of well after that um, she gets chased around for a while and then she she ends up in the pool and loomis shoots him while he's in the pool yes and then and and then they go to the car oh uh was that the boogeyman yeah why yes i do believe it was and then michael breaks through the glass and grabs her and then they do some more chasing and she or he tackles her out of the window right yeah i don't i i I did i threatened not to watch the end of it because i got into the (laughs) pool sequence and i was like there's 15 minutes left in this movie that i just am not processing um and i considered just like trying to get away with not watching it but i did and i don't remember how the movie actually ends the movie ends with this was uh, last night i should clarify i think loomis is seemingly dead at this point or he's been knocked unconscious or something because i think michael does try and squeeze his head and then ends up he he gets his thumbs in his eyes yeah yeah so he it's kind of ambiguous as to what happens to him but yeah so michael tackles her out out of the the house and then somehow they're both still alive or something and uh she grabs loomis's gun and she's like oh god there's no more bullets because she because he shot him three times or whatever so she's trying to cycle through the revolver and then she finally shoots him in the head and is like completely traumatized by the whole thing and then she's just screaming as the police drive up and that's the end of the movie it's a terrible ending and then they play mr sandman because they've earned it yeah yeah but there's no like it still would have been awful if it was just like her screaming over this, but I feel like it would have been more effective if they did do the, we're cutting back to different locations around Haddonfield or give it something, but it's yeah. just like zoomed in on her mouth as she's screaming and there's just blood yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will say I, I scout Taylor Compton who plays Lori. I, I actually do think she's a likable enough protagonist for a horror movie. Sure. I just don't think I again, first of all, you know, it's 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 the unfavorable job of having to play Laurie Strode and not be Jamie Lee Curtis, which is that is so not your fault. <laughs> like, you know, I do not blame her for taking the part, but it's like I I think she she does a good she, I don't know. I I I would like to see her have this same opportunity in a better movie. <laughs> well, it, it will be interesting to see how the second film shakes out because yeah. the thesis of that film is very much what I've been kind of waiting for in terms of, I want a movie of seeing Lori deal with PTSD after, after dealing with Michael yeah. Myers and H2O does deal with that. That is a huge chunk of the movie, yeah. but it is really like front and center for for this next one. I imagine the Zombo Bobby will will handle that delicately and with nuance. Yep. <laughs> it's going to be great, isn't it? <laughs> this was the fake out and Halloween 2 is going to be amazing. <laughs> I don't want to say anything because I, d- I don't know if I want to jinx it either way. Because if it's worse, that? that will make for even greater content. <laughs> but if it's actually good, then yeah. okay, all right, we got a winner. <laughs> so have you have you seen it, Alex? Yes, I have. Okay. A long time ago, but yes. Two thoughts. One, F minus. Uh, 
too uh it's too early for me to make a call either way uh it is at least i have decided in my top four worst it it passes justice league 2017 um and somewhere is in the mix of my my three worst were alien versus Freddy requiem it's my worst that we've reviewed and then um you only live twice and never say never again in some order Never say never again. Number two, you only live twice. Number three, it's it might be four. It's somewhere in that mix. Uh, I'm gonna have to think about that, and I dearly hope that we don't go farther down the rabbit hole in the second one. You only live twice. Had ninjas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's something I guess. Uh, Alex, what are you grading it? I'm just going to give it a flat F. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, uh, me saying that I I think I liked it more than y'all is not saying much because I I do think it's pretty awful. And, you know, even by like by Halloween standards, it's just like it's it's just attacked from the exact wrong angle. Sure. Um, And I, I, you know, it's, it's got that kind of weird issue of. It's trying to be more nuanced and detailed, and it's trying to say something, but at the same time, it's just very boneheaded in how that's handled, and it's needlessly exploitive, exploitative, and and grisly, and eh, uh, yeah, I miss John Carpenter. <laughs> yeah, I um, I will also give it an F minus. I believe it's my first F minus I've given on this podcast. Um. Is I don't know for really? sure, but I want I don't remember having given another one, but I'm not positive. So Alex, if you could check that. Um, it is absolutely in my worst movies you've seen on the podcast. If it if it ta- if it beat out my like Suicide Squad, Man of Steel, Rise of Skywalker, it's because those movies, as annoyed as I get, and I mean I was a little offended by Man of Steel, but like the other two didn't really bother me. This movie upset me on a m- emotional standpoint and on an ethical standpoint and so it might be the worst in that regard it is one of the worst movies i have ever seen i will i will go ahead and give it that distinction of being one of my least favorite movies like i do not like to say hate when i talk about movies but i i really do think i hate this movie um and i i think that what could have helped it is that it's you know minute 90 or whatever of Lori and Michael in the splintery wood house. And then you hear off screen in the distance, like, 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 I don't know, like a foghorn signaling. No, no, no. It's going to be okay. You hear and uh, frankly, kind of offensive karate scream. And then like Mjolnir, flying towards Captain America's outstretched hand. Buster Rhymes comes flying into frame and his heel <laughs> smashes into Michael's head. His we, The head rolls, smash cut, Buster Rhymes' original song that he has written <laughs> about himself beating up Michael Myers. It's and a rap set to the Halloween theme. <laughs> it's a rap set to the Halloween theme. And that is what I think could have saved this movie. Yeah. Oh, uh, Britain, a quick scan through all of your grades, and I 
I, I believe you are correct. You have not given an F minus to anything else. The really? closest we have gotten is a Q for Batman versus Superman. Yeah, and that's more of like a ah, whatever. Here's a joke I did. Um, I don't you know what I would rate that movie. Manus, do you want F minus? Nope, just an F. I've I think I have given like maybe far more F minuses than Fs at this point. I know. I I, I do think it at that point because you're like. Most movies, when they're that bad for us, it's like, okay, that was like offensively. You had no excuse, and that justifies the F minus. Or it's F plus territory for you. Yes. (laughs) So, I mean, like, once you you get to the fail point, like, you can only fail one of two ways. (laughs) Which which probably uh, speaks to my philosophy a lot of the time, because I also probably have given far more, like, minus and plus grades in general than just flat grades. I'm, I'm way more likely to be like, to, to push it one way or the other so interesting um i will say so my recommendation this week i am gonna go back into the annals because I, I i the thing i could recommend i have to finish watching um i when i finished this movie i was like i need to take a bath and a movie version of that and so i i just opted for like things with bright colors always extraordinary playlist hilda things like that I'm going to recommend one of my favorite, uh, it's not, it's kind of Halloween adjacent movies. It's, it's a great autumnal October watch. I'm going to recommend literally the polar opposite of this movie, Wallace and Gromit in The Curse of the Were-Rabbit, the delightful claymation movie from, I think, 2005 um, by Ardman and Park. It's, you know, the classic British characters of a cheese-loving guy, uh, inventor, and his dog Gromit. Um, I really love this movie. For a long time, it was in my top 20. It might still be. Uh, I plan on rewatching it soon. Um, I just didn't get to it before I recorded. Um, it's it's just delightful. It's so funny. There's a lot of like cheeky double entendres and slapstick and like kind of obvious jokes that in a lot of movies you'd be like, no, oh, okay. But there's such charm and such joy in the movie that you're like, great, comedy, movies. You're just having fun. Wallace invents all these crazy Rube Goldberg contraptions that like get him out of bed and dress him and feed him in the morning. And that's just really fun to watch. Ray Fiennes and Hella Bottom Carter are both in it in supporting roles. They're both delightful. Peter Salas, of course, is Wallace. There might be other celebrities that I've just forgotten. But um, it's just so fun. And it's lots of it, it's it's very autumnal again. And I love watching it this time of year. And it's just a, it's just a good, happy time. If you need a break from, from uh, some some swampy, <laughs> grimy Halloween movies, uh, I I really really recommend it. I'm not sure I have the DVD, so I'm not sure I haven't kept track of like its streaming home. But however you can find it, you should watch it. It's a a really great time, and it won the Oscar for animated feature, whatever that means to you. But I think it beat out like some kind of big titles that year. I can't remember. Um, and I love it. And it's and there's a, a rabbit version of Wallace who is hysterically funny to me. Um, and it's called Wallace and Gromit in The Curse of the Were-Rabbit. Happy stuff. Anybody else have something to recommend, happy or otherwise? I, I don't have anything happy to recommend. I, oh. I went, I kind of stuck with my, my, my uh rabbit hole of of like weird creepy movies um but i went for something of quality i watched talented mr ripley oh my goodness good call which it's a movie yeah uh the main the main uh 
reason I, I started reading it is I, I'm finishing up the Disaster Artist book right now, and it, it's still wonderful and, and enlightening, and everyone should read it, um, particularly if you have any interest in not just the room, but also just kind of filmmaking and kind of how Hollywood works and all that. All that is really, really fascinating. Um, but one of the main things that seems to push Tommy Wiseau to start writing the room and to make his own project is going and seeing talented Mr. Ripley, and apparently it just has, like, this huge effect on him. Um, the premise is that Matt Damon plays, like, this... It's kind of like a, a high-society, low-society thing, where, where Matt Damon plays, like, this guy who, who's not really of means, and he is able to con this uh, rich guy and into going and visiting his son and... and pretending to convince him to come back back home to to uh, be with his father and he's he becomes obsessed with uh jude law plays the son he becomes obsessed with his life and his luxury and he starts trying to to imitate him to steal his haircut to to uh uh he starts trying on his clothes and his jewelry and and all that um and it's just like it, it's just this really creepy character study of this guy who who is like really hollow in terms of like his soul and 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 like what's there but he he is just obsessed with learning and becoming this person and and the way he's able to con everyone and convince them of like no you know me yeah you you know me from from years ago of course they don't actually know him but he's able to pull at just the right strings and, and give just enough detail to to keep tricking people and it's just kind of this escalation of how far how far can he take this lie yeah <laughs> and uh gwyneth paltrow's in it philip seymour hoffman's in it um it, it is really really solid um i i'm not gonna rewatch it again anytime soon because it is definitely a super uncomfortable watch but yeah. it is quite good yeah, I, I, can, I can totally second that. Anthony Minghella wrote and directed it. It looks yeah. beautiful. All these great vistas. It's also, I believe, my favorite Matt Damon performance. He's really wonderful in that. There's a scene on a train where Jude Law's fallen asleep and Matt Damon like leans over and like smells his jacket. Yeah. And it's so it, it it's this brilliant blend of being creepy and sad. And, like, you just have a moment with this character of, like, oh, he's a creep, but also, like, he is so, he just, he, he wants to get as close to this lifestyle as he can, because he just can't get there in his own being himself. Um, it's a beautiful performance. from an, It's an early, it was, like, 97 or something. It's an early Matt Damon performance, but it's a really beautiful one. And, yeah, I, I like that. I, I keep meaning to rewatch it, but that is a, that is a good wreck. The thing I I'm I get hyper focused on. He has a monologue towards the end of the film where he talks about the possibility of of sharing his secrets with another person, and he's just like, oh, you you know you you want to you know it's kind of like a door with a key, and you you know you you meet someone and you want to give them the key, but ultimately there's nothing there, and you can't you you weren't able to do that, and I yeah yeah it was, it was all it was very very well well handled yeah um. Also, I started watching the John Adams miniseries starring Paul Giamatti. Um, <laughs> nice. I'm a couple of episodes in, and it's quite good. So that's just yeah, a random thing I decided to start watching. From the director of Cats. Yes. That, that is a, and, and watching it, I was like, yeah, this... He, it, it's got... It, no, specifically the cinematography that, that he likes to use for his movies. 
Mm-hmm. It's it's very much got that style where it's oh, just sure, like sure. the handheld, like super right. zoom in. Like it's very much like that. What's the um King's Speech? Yeah, yeah. 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 Sure. I, immediately like five minutes in, I was like, Yeah, this is the guy who did King's Speech. Yeah, I get I, th- it. I thought for <laughs> I me you'd be like you were, you're gonna be like, Yeah, I was watching this like I could see this being cats. I could see some cats showing up in this. Paul Giamatti could be a cat. Yeah, he could be a Deuteronomy. I bet Jefferson's a rum tum tugger. He was. Tyler, what you got? <laughs> I don't think I have anything. Yeah. Rum tum Tyler. Recommend nachos. Hey. Man, God, I wanted to... I was thinking earlier, Tyler, you, you got me thinking I could have a burrito for dinner. Now I just want a burrito and nachos for sustenance oh boy it's a good right that might be the best recommendation (laughs) (laughs) i could go for some nachos on the on the here come the sequels fan wiki someone is curating our recommendations and it's all these movies and then on tyler's it's like uh coda um (laughs) yeah you you, like a like a 30 for 30 like movies tv shows and i have movies TV shows, existential concepts, characters, food, <laughs> books. George R. George R. R. Martin talks about soldiers. <laughs> Notch chips with cheese on them. <laughs> oh, good. Look, dear if me. you told me that the only way we were going to get through Halloween 2, the second one, would be with some nachos. We'll do it. I am so upset that the next movie is not called Halloween 2, the second one. That would be... <laughs> Such a good title for that movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh all right. Um, well, we're done. Joseph, you can go to bed now. Um <laughs> if you would like to find us talking more about Halloween and Nachos, uh, you can find us online at herecomesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at HCT Sequels. You can email us at herecomesequels at gmail.com or on Spotify and Twitter. And I already said Twitter. That's not the thing I normally say there. We're on Spotify and SoundCloud and uh, iTunes, Apple Music, whatever, Amazon Music. Um, I believe Joseph did send us a meme. Uh, but I don't remember what it was. So I apologize, Joseph. Maybe I'll try and pull it up. Um, I don't know of a good way to describe the meme on a podcast format. But they send a meme. We want more of them. Send us your memes. They can be Halloween memes. They can be Shrek memes. We'll take um, anything. Yeah. We're up we're up for it. Britain, do you have any more wacky Rob Zombie name spins? Um, yeah, final no. final uh Um Okay. No, I don't think so. You know. Um, the last one I'll throw out is Rob of the Dead. Rob of the Rob of the Dead. Um <laughs> Tom Tom zombie why so <laughs> um <laughs> may i suggest warm zorby <laughs> warm zorby that's pretty good are, are you sure that's not a dune character <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness um let's not conflate the concept of rob zombie and dune i've been britain Yeah, I want that out of my head as well. I've been Alex. I've been Tyler. And you're having a happy Halloween.